0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Bringing the Podcast. We are a little late this week, but still very excited to be here at TCU this upcoming weekend. JT Van is here. JT, how are you doing? Staying warm. JT. Otherwise, not too bad. All right. Good. And, of course, we brought on our old friend of the podcast, Stephen Shoney. He's the Sports Information Director for TCU Men's Basketball. Stephen, how's it going in Fort Worth? I'm also trying
1: to stay warm, too. It's cold down here, but we're doing good. Looking forward to a basketball game Saturday.
0: It's weird because up here in the Pacific Northwest it's actually getting pretty warm this weekend. They're looking at a, a high of 47 on Sunday at the, the local ski area, not good for skiing. So, I just right. wish you could send us some of that cold weather up the mountains. You can take it, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, yeah, it's kind of interesting what's happened since uh, the first you know TCU case, really a disappointing one for, for Kansas State, uh, TCU at the end, uh, but. You know, it turned out to maybe I don't know. It was a wake up call for Kansas State or what? Because they they did win their next two games. TCU was kind of up and down after that. I don't know, Steve. How do you feel like? You know, TCU came away from that win, and and you know, what did they learn going forward in uh, that game?
1: That they can win on the road. I mean, that was a big one. If I remember right, K State was up most of the way, and then yeah. uh, we kind of took it there in the end. But that obviously, you know, propelled us to. The solid road record that we have now, we, I mean, we followed that up with uh, well, we already had beaten Georgetown uh, in, uh, at Georgetown in December and then that win at K-State and then win at Oklahoma last week and then a win at Iowa State the week before that. So, I mean, it's definitely given TCU a lot of confidence that they can win on the mm-hmm. road, which, of course, if you, you know do that half the time, you're in great shape and you're looking good for the NCAA tournament. Which TCU is right now. So that was big. It was it was interesting that, you know, we TCU took that game against K State. And then a week later, Oklahoma State took a game from TCU when we were on the road and were up the whole game and then couldn't really score the last minute and a half. And Oklahoma State ended the game on a seven oh run to win it at home. So it kind of evened out for us there. But but yeah, obviously road wins are huge in this league. They're huge for the net which is why our our net's looking pretty good right now. And um, I know K-State's looking for one on Saturday.
0: Interesting, though, because you look at it, and TCU's been real good on the road, but at home, they've, they've struggled a little bit. You know, Baylor, obviously, is a really good team. They lost down, but a big loss to Texas and then barely hung on to beat Oklahoma. You know, is this a team that, that's playing not as well at home sometimes?
1: So Texas game, TCU had the largest crowd they've ever had to watch a home game stadium only seats 6,800 and we had 8,400 at the game and over 3,500 students so there's the consensus is that (laughs) might have got too amped for it if anyone watched the Texas game Mm -hmm. and saw some of the shots and where they ended up there's a lot of you know balls that were missing more than usual And that kind of was the consensus for the Texas game and and why they they beat us good. They beat us by 23. But then came back a few days later and beat a really good LSU team, which at the time was the top defensive team in the country. And they had just gotten all their guys back who were out and really controlled that game pretty much from the beginning, led almost the whole way. And um, so, I mean, you could look at it both ways. Yeah, the Texas game was bad. And then the LSU game, that, that team was at the time a net of 10. I think they're ranked 19th and being pretty good. And so that, again, gave them more confidence than to go on the road. But yeah, that Oklahoma game you talked about led throughout the whole game. Then at the end, Oklahoma State tied it, went to overtime, TCU one by one. So it's just this league is every game's gonna be close. It's pretty much proven that, except for a few outliers like our Texas game at home. But if you look throughout the league, pretty much every game is gonna be a close game. And we've been we've been pretty good in close games so far.
0: Yeah, for sure. K State's definitely experienced that as well. It's tough as a fan sometimes, isn't it, JT? Yeah. <laughs> it's it, tough,
2: can be, it can be pretty wild. Conference is nuts.
0: So TCU now has one uh two games in a row. And, uh, but like you said, you, you know, you get the weather issues down there. So what, what do you think the crowd is going to look like on Saturday?
1: So we've been promoting a blackout here. That was before we were going to get the weather, but we're still, we're still going through it. We're just encouraging all of our fans to wear black, just kind of a fun thing to do. Just, we haven't done that before. And so they're just trying to get people interested and, our student support has been great. Our last two crowds have been record highs for students. The Texas game and then, um, well, no, the Oklahoma game first was record. Then the Texas game surpassed it. And so the student support has been incredible this year. I mean, TCU trying to fit itself into the, into basketball and, uh, you know, TCU primarily being a big football school, being in Texas, and then our baseball program has been one of the top ones in the country really for the past ten years or so. So TCU trying to cement itself as a basketball school has been huge lately and and we're doing that with student support, which has never really happened before, but our team's so likable and they're really just coming to support the team. And so I, I believe the students will be there seven o'clock Saturday. I think students will be there the rest of the crowd, I'm not sure. It just depends on the road conditions. Students uh, we're in great proximity to the dorms and the and the fraternities and sororities, so it's an easy walk. But anticipating a good crowd. We've we've had good crowds all year and as the team keeps winning, we'll expect more people.
0: That's good. And you know another advantage is they've got a great SID promoting them. The team does. So
1: we try. we that. try hard. It's it's a collaborative <laughs> effort with myself, our marketing department and our video department and then every once in a while we get a lot of we get some good ideas from coach Dixon and so he's been willing to do as he says whatever it takes to get students here and so we've really kind of capitalized on that and trying to make the most of his time and what what he wants to do and so we've been pushing out some things on social and trying to get a lot of people interested in tc basketball
0: Yeah, and then the team definitely gave them a lot of reasons. And, of course, it starts with, you know, as usual for a a Jamie Dixon team and really for almost every team in the Big 12 this year, with maybe the notable exception of KU, it's kind of defense has been the big strength. You know, what is it about this TCU defense uh, that's been so good?
1: Yeah, TCU's big, really big, and rebounding has been emphasized from day one. And and all of Coach Dixon's teams throughout his career have been – pretty solid rebounding teams but this team has the size to do it eddie Lampkin being about seven feet tall emmanuel miller about six seven six eight and then um the depth at those positions and and we have big guards micah pv six seven chuck o'bannon plays about six six and he's kind of a forward slash guard so yeah we've <laughs> For the whole season, we've been in the top 10 nationally in four big categories. Offensive rebounds, we've pretty much been first throughout the whole year. Rebounding margin has been top five. Uh, Offensive rebound percentage has been first pretty much, and then just rebounds per game. So that's been emphasized every game. Coach wants to be plus 10 on the boards, and they've kind of taken ownership of that, the players have. So that's the biggest thing. And like you said, this league is so good defensively. If you just go by what all coaches go and buy and with the Ken Palm numbers. And I think half of the league is top 10 in Ken Palm defensive efficiency. And what TCU is doing right now is its best defensive team ever since Ken Palm started, which was ninety six, ninety seven. So it's, I mean, obviously, you guys know because you've watched sports enough. You can do a lot with a good defensive team. I mean, if you can get if you can get guys, if you can get college players to buy into defense and to want to defend well, then you can do a lot with that team. And and the offense, even though for us hasn't been great this year, we're not a great shooting team. We've kind of proven that over the course of what
0: twenty games, I think now.
1: But if you can defend, you can win a lot of games and. That's pretty much what TCU has done.
0: Yeah, and just looking at the kin numbers, and I know those fluctuate quite a bit, but yep. right now you've got Texas Tech and Iowa State in the top ten, and then there's six in the top twenty, rounded out by TCU at number twenty. Yeah. So yeah, that's where they are. And then Kansas State's down at number forty, which is still you know not bad, but the lower part of the Big Twelve, obviously. <laughs> somehow. Yeah, yeah, KU's defense hasn't been uh, probably what Bill Self wants it to be this season, I think. But, JT, I got to admit, I am worried about the, the offensive rebounding that the TCU brings. K State did a decent job of holding them to 12 in the first game, which is their season average, but, you know, how do you think Kansas State's going to handle that aggressive offensive rebounding effort?
2: Um, Poorly. <laughs> like they – uh Seem to have I mean that's that's definitely the weakest part of, of K State's team. I, I there's there's several big weaknesses, but that rebounding is, is probably probably number one, lack of, of having a true post player that can dominate, that can can grab rebounds. I mean the, I mean our leading rebounder and, and the leading rebounder in the league is a guard, a six four guard, Mark Smith. So it's you know, when you've got a guard like that leading the team, that's that's generally a problem. Especially when the center, aren't, you know, the, those post players aren't even close. So, I mean, it. Neither team looked very good grabbing offensive rebounds in that that first game, but PCU seemed to like. I mean, did a really good job cleaning glass on defense. So, uh, and still significantly out rebounded the cats, which was ended up being the determining factor in that game. I mean, they they scored three more points, but really, it's not like. Their volumes were any different. They shot the same number of threes. They shot the, I mean, a couple more twos. Free throws were, I mean, one different. So, I mean, really, the big difference in that that first game was TCU's ability to get rebounds and keep K State from getting second chance points. So, uh, if if that continues, then it, you know, it'll be a good day for for TCU and not for for K State. Yeah, I, I hate to imagine where this Kansas City team would be running wise without Mark Smith. Yeah, he's been a beast on both ends of the floor. I mean, playing defense and and, be, and rebounding and then scoring points. And, you know, it was, it was finally great to have, you know, he – I don't know, did he get it? He wasn't – he didn't quite get a double-double last night – or not last night, but uh, Wednesday night he's against – Pretty close. And, you know, it was nice to see the Cats actually getting a win when, when he has a great game, which hasn't always happened, so –
0: Mm-hmm. it's interesting you know he's leading the big 12 i think
2: number two is actually Isaiah another
0: guard from iowa state so i don't uh, know garby in the league this year and you know not taking anything away from mark smith but it seems to me that 8.4 8.5 whatever he's at is a little bit low to be leading the league is that fair to say steven you're, you're probably more yeah for rebounds per game that's kind of not that i am
1: yeah, in the past, it's been it's been double figures has led the Big Twelve, uh, if I remember right. With uh, who was Oscar Sheboy did last year? Maybe mm-hmm. I'm just trying to think of going back to other big rebounding numbers in the conference. But yeah, it's usually it's usually ten.
2: I mean, like, yeah. like as a team, yeah. I think it's was it Baylor that leads the league, but no, maybe I'm wrong. No, TCU leads the league. Well, I think My TCU leads around. the league. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it might be probably get like, more of a team see,
0: effort. I, mean, I don't know see if Steven can speak to this, but when I was looking at it, some of them were inflated by how well they did in non conference rebounding, especially the offensive rebounds. They they weren't doing well, but I think that they had some, some like 20 plus offensive rebounding games in non conference that inflated those a bit. Yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, but then we just out rebounded.
1: Oklahoma on the road by twenty-two on Monday. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um but yeah, no, no, you're right. We had three in non conference where we out rebounded opponents by twenty-three or more. Yeah, and those teams were Grambling, Southern Miss and McNeese. But then we turned around and did it, you know, against Oklahoma on the road, which was encouraging. And of course with I mean we're averaging fourteen offensive rebounds a game. And with that, I mean the emphasis from the coaching staff has been just to keep shooting, you know, even though we're not shooting well from the field even though we have coincidentally the last two games we've shot really well uh and last one was our season high at Oklahoma I think 53 percent so but they're encouraged to keep shooting because if you have 14 offensive rebounds a game you know odds are you're going (laughs) to get a rebound and so that's that kind of gives the team confidence to keep going at it and shooting open shots for
0: sure for sure So, yeah, maybe let's take a quick look at the offense. And one of the things that's been interesting in the last three or four games is, uh, you know, somewhat like Kansas State with Nigel Pack, TCU has has been looking maybe for that second consistent score. And it seems like maybe Damian Baugh is stepping into that role. He's had some big games. You know, do you see him as a guy that can do that consistently?
1: Yeah, he's been great. Before the season started and even the non-conference, he was kind of seen as our best defender probably still is him along with Micah Peavy being the best defenders on the team. And then lately he's provided that second scoring option, which earlier in the season, it was Mike miles was one and then they were looking for a number two, but he's done really well. He at, uh, at Iowa state had 23 points just on fire and could do anything he wanted. He had, he had a stat line that was impressive. 23 points, seven rebounds, five assists and seven steals and that was pretty good at Iowa State and they were i think one of they top they were 17 16 at the time and uh and then like last game at Oklahoma he had 20 and the game before that against LSU he had 14 so yeah he's been he's been really solid for us he's been the starting guard all season he missed the first few games with a leg injury and you see on our schedule a loss to Santa Clara by over 20 points he was missing that game so he's he's really important he's as coach says in practice his team's win almost every game because he's that mm-hmm. competitive so he he's a guy that we need to have healthy and so far he's been great yeah
0: and it's interesting because you know he's a guard and he's shooting a fairly high percentage he's about 45% for the season and but he's not Making a lot of threes, you know, does he do it mostly by attacking the basket or does he have a mid range game? Yeah, he's been doing a lot of attacking
1: the basket. He'll he's doing a lot of getting into the paint and doing a floater, those kind of shots, yeah. and a lot of mid range shots as opposed to three pointers. He's still hit some big ones. He hit that one, um, hit the one at K State, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah that was the big one. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was that, that proved to be the game winner there, so. Yeah, he's he's just he's he's playing well. He's a transfer for us from Memphis. Played two years there. Played more his freshman year than his sophomore year, and then you know we we're happy to have him here.
0: Yeah. So I mean, is he one of those guys that that shoots well in practice, but that hasn't translated yet to the games, or is that part of his game that he needs to work on? Because I mean, it seems like he, he he could be really dangerous if he you know can shoot above thirty percent or something from on
1: the arc. Yeah, I would say everyone can shoot better in practice than games. <laughs> But um, I don't know. I don't know. It, it's really interesting with our team. I mean, so many drills happen in practice, and, you, you, you know, you think we yeah. look good as a shooting team. And then you're right, it hasn't translated to games for many of our guys. And, you know, we'll have guys get hot in games. Chuck O'Bannon will get hot in games. He made three straight three-pointers against LSU that were huge. So we've had different guys step up in different moments. But I, I don't know. I think with him, I mean, if you look at throughout his career, it's probably not his specialty, but he's doing pretty well this year. That was I'm looking at the stats right now, 45, 46%. That's the best he's done in his career from the field. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not really a three-point shooter, but getting points other ways.
0: You know, I think K-State fans can relate to that. You know, how many times have we heard that the Luka Soupke is a, teams best three point shooter in practice or that's something Miguel can knock down those shots and then we just don't see it in the games a lot so
2: yeah it's uh I think it's pretty common I, I mean I I work mm-hmm. at a, a small college and and even watching those guys in, in <coughs> practice like man they shoot great and then they get in the game and you know, that percentage <laughs> goes down pretty quickly so you know a lot of it's just opponents defense and stuff right. but some of it I think is this guy's just they freak out at at game time. And fortunately, Luke Kasupke, you you mentioned him. He's, he's actually like his percentage has shot up this year. He's not taking nearly so many shots, but he's actually making the shots that he is taking. So that's, that's a nice side to see. Yeah.
0: Uh, And then I guess even the other guy that has shown himself to be capable of putting up some big points on occasion is Chuck O'Bannon. You know, he's a senior. How much do they rely on, on his offense and his, just his experience on the floor?
1: Yeah, he shows things every game that reminds you that he was a five star guy in high school and kind of forget that because if you look at his career, he, he was three years at USC, and then, um, but he was hurt. So in those three years, he only played 18 games because of injuries. And so he came to TCU, wasn't in the best shape. And then um, played a little bit last year. And then he's played really well this year. He's just, he's in better condition and he's a better practice player. He's a better teammate. He has a great attitude and he's, he's really thrived. And he's become our top three point option. And like I said, just does things on the court that reminds you that he was one of the top recruits going into USC, which was now like five years ago. So he's old, which you guys know watching Big 12 games is the key to a successful team, is having old players on your team. <laughs> and that's what every coach is trying to do. So him being on our team makes our team better because he has experience. But yeah, he, he's been he's been a great three-point shooter. He's gotten to the rim more than anyone's ever seen him do. He's been big. No one really thought, media-wise, you know, no one really thought that he would play this type of role on this team, which brought in a bunch of transfers, like almost every team did uh in the offseason. And he's found a, a good spot and it's it's been in a starting role.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh talk a little bit about TCU's tournament chances 1st we You're gonna take a, a quick break to hear from our sponsors. And we're back, Stephen. You you kind of alluded to it earlier. TCU's, I think, pretty solidly in most people's brackets right now. I mean, I don't know. Have you have you spent much time looking at kind of what they need to do the rest of the way to get that? spike? That they they don't want to leave it up until the end when they got to play six games, including a back to back against Kansas in three days. It's kind of a a brutal schedule at the end, but uh, so. You yeah, have to bank some wins now. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly right. TCU is in a great spot now, which is what I keep telling people when they they show me what Lenardi has TCU, which I think right now is an eight seed, which is great. But the reality is, the top four teams in the conference, you know, out of a possible eight games in those top four teams, we played two of them. So TCU still has Kansas twice, has Texas Tech twice. <laughs> Got to go to Baylor, got to go to Texas. And I haven't played West Virginia once. And, and TCU's never won at West Virginia. So, yeah, there's a lot of good, a lot of difficult games, which is why we're doing what we need to do right now and beating the teams on our schedule, which is all you can do. And our net right now at 40 is great. And the strength of schedule will get better with, with each game we play in the conference because that's the conference we're in. So, yeah, if you look at our chances right now, I mean, it, it's it's a great chance to make the NCAA tournament uh, for the first time since coach Dixon's second year here which was uh, 2018 and if, if TCU makes it it'll just be the ninth time that TCU's ever made the NCAA tournament which is again going on what I said earlier about trying to build a basketball culture here at TCU and in the state of Texas which is which is a little tougher than you know, other parts of the country. So we've made great strides, and 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 we're in a really good shape. But yeah, the the toughest. Anyone that looks at our schedule, you'll see the toughest part is coming up.
0: Yeah, and how do you think um, this team, this this roster, will handle that? Uh, you know, six games and whatever it is, probably like twelve or thirteen days. Uh, not an easy thing to do. And I think that that's because of the the COVID pause you guys were on earlier. But yeah, you know, is this a, a roster built for that? I
1: think so because it, it's really deep. We play all ten guys, all, all ten scholarship guys who are healthy on our team. Uh, we have a couple that are redshirting, but we have we have the depth right now to handle that and sharing minutes. And we kind of have a rotation that's working right now. So, and I think last year this kind of happened, you know, where you were sticking in games throughout the week, and you had three games in a week, mm-hmm. which will like you said, end in March with Tuesday against Kansas at home, Thursday at Kansas, Saturday at West Virginia. And the week before that will go Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. So I I just – I think it helps having it on the schedule early and and knowing what's coming up. But, yeah, that's going to be tough. But if I remember right, Oklahoma State had three straight road games like that where they went – what was it? Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and their Saturday game was at number one Baylor and they they beat Baylor. So it's
2: Well, that's kinda of where we got Texas Tech, they were coming off like their fourth right. game in seven days or eight days or something. And you know, I think that played a part in, in, in our upset win over tech.
1: That's true. I guess that had the opposite effect, unlike Oklahoma State that somehow <laughs> was better on their sixth or on their uh on their third game.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but yeah.
1: Anyways, I, I think with with the defense, if you can count on, I mean, obviously you got to be well rested to play good defense over forty minutes. But I, I think with a good defensive team, I think I think you can do a lot of things. So that's kind of why I think that the team could be could be built for that. But we'll see. Obviously, it's tough opponents too. It's not just playing those games; mm-hmm. it's against good teams.
0: Yeah. So I wonder. I mean, JT mentioned. Uh... You know, Texas Tech just kind of got those games back early by tomorrow. TCU is, is waiting until the end of the season to kind of catch up. Was that a preference thing for TCU or just kind of the way the schedule worked out?
1: It's the way that the Big 12 scheduled it. There's not okay. a lot of – obviously, there's That's not a sure. lot of flexibility throughout the schedule to fit in games, so – yeah. They tried to slide West Virginia in at home. We had to, they had to make up that game. And obviously that's a trip for them. So, I mean, they look at where they can possibly fit it in to where Texas or where West Virginia is in the state of Texas. It just wouldn't work out. You've also got to look at arena availability and arenas like ours where, you know, you host women's basketball and then other places that host other sports. You know it's tough to reshuffle women's basketball games for a men's basketball game. Can't really do that. So yeah, that it's just the way that Big Twelve and ESPN found a way to get it in, which all coaches knew you were going to play three games in a week. That was unavoidable once you miss games, since the the conference did not allow an open date like they did last year for some makeup games. So you know, once we went into that pause in early January, you knew you were going to make it up with three games in a week, and we had two of those to make up.
2: That really is a brutal stretch for TCU to to finish the season there at Texas versus Texas Tech, and then home and home with KU. Like That is just rough. Goodness.
1: Yeah, I would say that the good thing about that is – Going into preparation for Kansas and scouting, you know, you don't have to change that. You don't have to go and rewatch film on the same yeah. team. You know, you right. know, you're playing, you probably know the same game plan. That's the only benefit. But obviously, yeah, we're ending the season with two places that TCU's never won at Kansas and at West Virginia.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so uh, the last thing I want to talk about kind of fit what Uh, So I was was looking at, you know, you can correct me maybe on the years on this, but I think before about 2018, the last uh, TCU player to play in the NBA was Kurt Thomas. It it had been a while. And and right now you've got three guys, you know, Desmond Bain as a great player for Memphis. You've got Kenrich Williams is occasionally starting for Oklahoma City. And then um, who's the the third guy that's playing a little bit? Time, rj but, nimhard has played uh, he has scored nba, RJ NBA. Himhard, yeah yep. yeah yep. um mm-hmm. yeah so how much does that help the profile of the program to have that oh it's huge it's huge
1: lee Nalen was the last player to t- from tcu to play in the nba well no actually you're right kurt thomas because he he played 19 years amazingly yeah you're right it was kurt thomas and then before that was lee nayland yeah it's uh It's great. I mean, because Desmond was so loved here by the way he handled himself and the way he embraced college, not just college basketball, but the whole college experience. So everyone loves him. Everyone loved him here. And then to see what he's done in the NBA, he'll play in the Rising Stars game and All-Star Weekend coming up. And Mm -hmm. hopefully he'll get in the three-point contest because he's been one of the best three-point shooters this year.
0: And to see him well, they're doing like a shooting challenge for the rising stars, too, I think. So,
1: okay, I'm sure he would be in that. that, but no, it, it's huge because TCU hadn't had that presence in the NBA for a while. But and, and both of those guys being you know program guys who have been in college basketball for four years, Kenrich Williams was a transfer from Juco, and both he was unrecruited pretty much like Desmond Bain didn't have many offers, I think it was between. TCU in Miami, Ohio for offers and being a two-star guy and to see the work that he's put in and the coaches have put in with him for here for four years. And I was here Desmond's freshman year. So for me, it's cool because I'd I'd never had someone like that in my Mm -hmm. time throughout this career that you watch get better every year and the work ethic that he put in to get better. So it's huge and it's something that obviously the coaches are pointing out. You know, every recruiting opportunity is is big to show what a guy can do if you come to TCU and you're here for four years and you work hard. And Desmond Bain is a starter for the Memphis Grizzlies who are really good. And uh yeah. and it's just the second year in the NBA. So it's been great. He always comes back here. He was here a couple of weeks ago, um, when the Mavs were in town and he's just the same guy he was when he was here. So that's it goes a long way. So he's 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 one of the favorites here and and he'll play in the NBA for a long time.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And then uh, you know, maybe if, if there's a guy up next, it's a guy we, we haven't talked a lot about this podcast, but we gotta talk about Mike Miles when you're talking about TCU. I mean he's kinda still doing everything for this team. You know, uh his stats, you know, maybe not eye popping, got fifteen points a game, not sure if it's assist numbers, but you know, especially with TCU playing better, what kind of recognition do you think he might get this season? You know, it seems like people are starting to, to recognize that he's one of the elite guards in the Big 12, for sure. Yeah, he was mentioned for the all-conference preseason. He was honorable
1: mention, and uh, he took it personal that he wasn't on the first team. And I think that's kind of motivated him, and he wasn't shy about saying that. And um, I mean, right now, he's fifth in the Big 12 in scoring, 15.5 points, and then assists, 4.5 rebounds about four and there's only four guys I believe in power five that are that's doing that right now with those three categories so he's yeah obviously he's the primary ball handler he gained a lot of experience this past summer with coach Dixon coaching the USA U19 national team he was the primary point guard for USA Uh, they went seven and oh and won gold so he spent more time with coach Dixon and their relationship grew and he just got better and became more of a leader, which has been big, especially for a sophomore. But yeah, it, he's a guy who who grew up with Cade Cunningham and um, in the DFW area, best friends. Uh, Cade decided to go to Oklahoma State and Mike wanted to stay closer to home and chose TCU and and he's been great. And obviously it's a guy who has eyes on the NBA. And I don't know what he'll do next year, but Mm -hmm. we're happy to have him this year. And, um, yeah, you look at his numbers, you know, shooting went down a little bit from last year, but he's made up for uh, for it just being a a good distributor and a good defender and really good teammate and better defensively. So he's he's been great, and obviously it's the primary focus of any team, I'm sure, is stopping him.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Would you expect him to go out and then you know at least test the waters, as they say, this offseason? I don't know. I, I don't know. I I
1: I think he would because every player does. Like, you know, every player <laughs> believes they can go play pro. So I, I hope he looks at it. And if he has that interest, then yeah, that'd be great. And if not, spot for him here and he can get better. I think if you look at guys like Desmond Bain who needed 4 years in college to make it. You know, it's not a bad thing. Cuz if you look at the whole Big 12, it's it's a lot of old guys. It's a lot of old players that are still here mm-hmm. compared to what it was a few years ago when it was everyone was young. So, it's not a bad thing to stay in college either. So, if he's good enough, I hope he goes. If not, we'll take him. We'll take a junior mm-hmm. yeah. year of Mike Miles. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I hope he For gets sure. the and JT, I think I've said this before, but you know, with the way k State season is going as a team, I'd almost rather watch just Nigel Pack one instead of the game Saturday. That'll be a good matchup.
2: <laughs> yeah, you know, we we talked about that when they were both freshmen last year because they they played against each other and was like, oh, the two two best freshmen. And I think Miles maybe had a little bit better freshman season than, than Nigel did, but Nigel's really come on here these last few games. So mm-hmm. you're interested to see. What he does against Mike Miles tonight that he maybe didn't do in the first matchup. Yeah, yeah,
0: and I mean you would hope that that's kind of bringing out the best in both of them, you know, a chance to to go up against another guy that's playing that well, so and being competitors. Yep. Well, yeah, I think that's about all I got, JT. You got anything else to, to add? No. Steven. thanks as always. You know, I hope you're uh, getting over the the Chiefs' loss. I know that's been that's been hard for me. So. Yeah, still not over it.
1: <laughs> uh, it's been tough. It's been tough on the Shown family. Yeah. So uh, no, it's not good. I don't even I don't even want to go down that road. I have too many thoughts. Have to do more more time. Yeah, it's frustrating. Very frustrating. And the Super Bowl, I don't want to watch.
0: Don't want to watch it. <laughs> I guess the last thing about Saturday's game, uh, you can tell us who's the broadcasting crew. Uh,
1: Chucky Kemp yeah, and Brandon Menzer. We've had Chucky now for be the fifth game. I think we are undefeated. Luke, when Chucky Kemp does our game. okay, he is. He thinks he's good luck for the frogs. But I know he got he did your guys's game on uh, Wednesday against Oklahoma State. But uh, he did our game against LSU, and he did our game at Oklahoma. And
2: is he actually going to be in the arena? He will.
1: Yeah, they'll both oh, wow. be here. Yeah, I know. It's that's a. It's about half and half. I don't know what K State's had, but for TCU, it's probably been half in person and half from home.
2: It's really it's interesting how they pretty change. low. Once CSBn started taking over our broadcast, like out of the the, the tier three games where you know mm-hmm. you get the K State personalities calling the games, I think it's we've had maybe like the KU game, and that was about it. Um, although, person? yeah, uh, surprisingly, we did have Fran Frischilla at the game Wednesday night, but he was not calling the game; he was just a spectator. Mm-hmm. I did, I did see that we yeah. had
1: Fran on Tuesday, oh, you know, and, and and Fran, I think, still has a a home in Dallas because he just got one in um, Colorado, but he still has a home in Dallas, and he'll be calling it from home, even though it's probably about thirty minute drive to come over. So it's an interesting decision, and I don't know how ESPN makes those choices.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's odd. So, okay, well, either way, looking forward to it. Uh, hopefully, another close game Saturday, probably what we'll see. Uh, yes, yeah, see what happens. So, Thanks for having me back. But, uh, thanks for coming on, Stephen. Yes. So, I should yeah, see you. Yep. Well, Be